Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. <laughs> What's that noise? I don't know. Is it coming from your laptop? It might be. Oh, I think it might be my laptop. Oh yeah, you know how they auto play something. Right. Hello, Egg Chasers. This is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. We just love the game, and we are absolutely buzzing with excitement that we are two weekends away from domestic rugby returning to the United Kingdom and Ireland. Bring it on. And and Europe, well, and Italy and South Africa um, <laughs> yeah. uh, as well. Uh, I'm Tim, that's JB. Hello, Timothy. Uh, that's Phil. Hello, Tim. Uh, and yes, today we're obviously going to be talking about the Rugby Championship. We've got two more clubs or sides from the Pro 14 or Avicii Premiership that are going to be put under the microscope and look at their chances ahead of the new season. There's been some breaking rugby stories. There's been some new kits uh, Phil's prepared a quiz. You're in the right place. You're taken care of. Um, so, how was your? I, I, I can't tell. How how are we meant to? How am I meant to look at you, Phil? And and when you're wearing the tightest of rugby vests, <laughs> it's not that tight. I, ha- I have tight. It's quite tight. It is quite tight. I know this is a visual medium, and you're not watching it, but I'm just in a room with. Well, JB and I look like you. Prob- people. You probably do. We look like people, people. on a Sunday. Civilians. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing my uh, Sam Burgess impression. It's nice. Very nice. <laughs> uh, right. So, where shall we start? Should we Should we pay, pay some service to that bled is low match down under? I, there's a There's a oh, lot to talk about in this bled this is low match. Bloody hell! I mean, this bled is low match is like the climax of six seasons of Game of Thrones. There's so much going on here, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So let's dig in with. Should we talk about the prelude to the bled is low cup game? Go on. Well, it feels to me that this week, um, during the build up. Ev- ah. Almost every low ball tactic that could possibly be used <laughs> against the All Blacks has been used. And I'm not a big All Black sympathiser, but I do feel sorry for them. So the Aaron Smith accusations were rehashed. I don't know if that was by Australian media or not, to be fair. Uh, well, there was some text messages that were... F- I saw like a screenshot of a text message between Aaron Smith and the alleged other party. And then it, the All Blacks themselves decided to reopen the file. So we, we all thought it was closed last year, but they're going to f- investigate it slightly further. And then, after that, there was another... Uh, 
what's been labelled as a cultural problem. Yeah. Uh, now, I know you don't know about this, Tim, so you'll be delighted if I tell you about it. Go on. Hit me up with it. Right, so- I, I have been in kind of a radio silence. I've been in the middle of nowhere. No, I haven't been checking my phone and stuff, and I've been trying to ignore a little bit of rugby through the week. Have a bit of good family time because my weekends are going to be consumed by nothing but contact sport. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So come on, t- tell me, what's what's been going on? All right, so Aaron Smith first. Okay, Aaron Smith, or supposedly from Aaron Smith's phone, there's been a string of what looks like Facebook messages to me. Uh, I couldn't, yeah, it's, mess- it's some form yeah, of some messenger. Yeah, some form of me- messenger. Now, if I received this message in my inbox... On any platform, I would eat. I'd automatically assume it was a, a Nigerian prankster. <laughs> right? the, the way it is put together reads like one of my tweets. It's, <laughs> it's just it, it's incoherent. But the main kind of gist behind it is, um, the coach covered it up, or at least gave him a way to cover it up. It mentions a sworn, a sworn aff, um, affidavit. Yeah, which is very weird. I mean, what did they do? Two consenting adults in a disabled. Okay, uh, misuse of disabled facilities is probably the worst thing that you could throw at them. Yeah, um, but it's just rehashed the rehashed the whole thing. So the New Zealand Rugby Union have decided to reopen the 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 whole thing. Now, whether this means they're going to reopen it to the detriment of Aaron Smith or not, I don't know. But certainly, if what he's saying is true, it's to the detriment of Steve Hansen. If it's if Steve Hansen is the coach who's referred to as the one who's given him an opportunity to cover it up. Well, I mean, who else would it be? I mean, uh, Wayne Smith or someone? It, it could even have been one of the media guys. So hold on. Know. This, so this is just extramarital, an extramarital affair, which, as far as I'm concerned as a rugby fan, I don't, I don't care. It's none of my business. No. Yeah, exactly. So this was labelled as demonstrating poor culture, but... <laughs> It, this is not culture. Teams who talk about culture, that should be uh, wanting to fight for your mates, wanting to kind of get up off the floor when you're absolutely and bollocks. Yeah, and do, do you take smash someone? Defeat yeah. with uh, grace and yeah. uh, and and humility and yeah. win victory things like that's, that. I mean, that's, I, that's rugby culture. Yeah. This is not rugby culture. I, I don't even care about that really. I mean. You know, the SAS don't have to abandon an operation because one of their mates gets a bit amorous with, you know, <laughs> a, you know a girl somewhere. It's just not really applicable. Uh, now, I, I do get this right. So this, he's shacked up uh, allegedly with this 24-year-old former model, Tara, I'm reading here. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're jumping the gun here. What well, so, are you? Is this Aaron Smith? No, this, no, is, this, is, this is Jerome Kino. Right, this is a separate story. Oh, a separate story, yeah. right. So, um, so, yeah, Aaron Smith, but nothing more has come of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As in, oh, sorry, getting a bit uh, frisky there with the bell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so was uh, so was half the New Zealand team by the sound of it. So yeah, Aaron Smith, it was as if it was trying to get dragged up again, yeah. but then that was eclipsed yes. by the Jerome Kano, the Jerome sto- Kano story. story. Yeah, so Jerome Kano is then flown home to deal with the fallout of a story, which I understood to be kind of unearthed by the Australian press. Yeah. Which is Jerome Kano and the person you mentioned. The the former model, 24 years of age, tar- called Tara. Um, the, it's reported they met up in hotels in Auckland, Sydney and Brisbane. And then... Yeah, this bit I And like. then, after they've had three hookups minimum, then she's upset uh, but that finding out that this world-famous rugby union player is married. <laughs> Did she not Google him? I mean... 
come on, get a grip. <laughs> so it does sound a little bit like she has kind of, the stories come from like her side, hence she is devastated to find out yeah. that weirdly this guy wouldn't invite her home. <laughs> so hmm. um, there you go. Um, that is the story of Jerome Kano and Aaron Smith. So Aaron Smith played, Jerome Kano got sent home, and it just feels like a lot of underhand tricks towards the All Blacks, really. It, yeah, it does a little bit. Not necessarily by uh, the ARU. How do we know? Not necessarily by the ARU, but by the Aussie press. Do you know what I'd love to know? Whatever happened to the listening devices? <laughs> Whatever Because ca- they got the police involved. And then that just kind of went, disappeared. Yeah. So, and the, the weird thing about that as well, remember, that the Australians allegedly found the listening device sometime after the All Blacks found a listening device. Yeah, that was just to cover it up, wasn't it? Yeah, there's something very suspicious go- going on there. So but th- but neither neither Aaron Smith nor the Drone Kano issue actually affected the All Blacks. Are you, jo- are you joking? Well, maybe in the last 30 minutes. If anything, it affected them hugely. Because Liam Squire was brilliant. Yeah, and they went out and battered them. Like, they had one thing on their mind, and that was revenge. Well, I think that would have happened either way, to be honest. This is true. Uh, so there was one quite funny article that was written on a satirical site in New Zealand uh, just before this game, which said, side entrance built for Richie McCaw at the ANZ Stadium ahead of the Bledisloe Cup, then going on to say... Uh, whether you were at the game or just watching on TV, whenever former All Black Richie McCaw entered a rock or more, the nation would scream, just look at the beep from the side again. Now in retirement, the 35-year-old won't have to endure tongue lashing after tongue lashing when he visits Sydney's ANZ Stadium for tonight's Bledisloe Cup match. They've built him his own discreet side entrance so he can come and go <laughs> as he pleases from the side all day long without fear of being Way. abused. He's built a career on entering everything from his life from the side. Rucks, malls, tackles, helicopters, you name it. <laughs> <laughs> his post-playing career should be no different. Very good. Very good. Bravo. Uh, the game. Yes. The game, yes. Some rugby. So after everything, there was a, there was a rugby game. Um 88 points. Jeez, where do you even start with this? Well, let's let's do it chronologically. So the first half yeah. was about as one-sided as, as I've ever seen in a top-level, so or supposedly top-level, two top-level teams. Yeah, I think you're right there. Supposedly top-level. Yes. Yeah, because Australia, fourth in the world rankings, I think I'm right in saying. God, that's amazing. Yeah. That's just amazing that they can be even that high. So... It wasn't a world-class match. Uh, I'm not going to heap too much praise on the All Blacks, simply for the fact that I don't think they had to do much. No. I mean, the the errors made by the Australians were so stupid. I, I mean, <laughs> let's start with their captain, Michael Hooper. This guy, in my opinion, shouldn't even be playing. I thought, for, for the most part, he was an absolute liability. The guy's an idiot. He comes off his feet all the time. Uh, he had... Two phases of play, or two passages of play within... Actually, no, it's in one phase of play with two infringements. Potentially, both could cost his team dearly. In the end, it only cost him a penalty. He lifted the guy off his feet. He didn't go past horizontal, thankfully. The guy landed, and then he just falls on the ball and tries to scrabble it back. Yeah, th- he did it numerous times. So I, I rate Hooper. I think he's a brilliant player, brilliant athlete. He doesn't look at his best, and he looked incredibly frustrated but also the stupidity that you mentioned. Yeah. Ooh, sorry, right, take, me, take that bell that. off me. There you go. The stupidity that you mentioned. It was, he was 
repeatedly off his feet of the rooks and just hands in. Yeah, I thought he was dreadful. I thought he'd lost lost his head within about five minutes. Makvezik esque. Yeah, maybe, maybe worse. <laughs> worse, probably worse. Do you know why it's worse? Because his work rate's higher. <laughs> like you had stupidity and high and high work rate. A and dangerous combination. Yeah. So, yeah, that 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 was Hooper. Um, some of the defensive errors were so stupid, Tim. I, I can't tell you. Just people not even looking at their man. Uh, the, uh, when the All Blacks scored on the outside of Izzy Falau, he looked like a 15-year-old who'd never played the game before. <laughs> when Rico Iwani yeah. went round him, yeah, yeah. He didn't even need to try. Yeah. I mean, the fi- well, five yards of space to beat Falau in that was awful. Yeah, and he's not even he's not particularly running that fast. He's not particularly trying to hand him off. He just goes around the outside of him like he's not there. And uh, the Ryan Crotty try, the one straight from a, uh, a scrum, left field scrum. Mm. Aaron Smith gets the ball and kind of side through the middle. Yeah, yeah, three three players run in three different directions, and Crotty just hits a good line just outside thirteen and just glides under yeah. the post. And is that was that the fault of uh, Samu Samu Karevi? Karevi probably. Right now, this this lad, bless him, he tries. I mean, <laughs> the endeavours there, you know, the heart is there. To be fair to him, he's just not good enough. But I mean, the, uh, you look at I, I don't know. I, you look at the Australian lineup, and I was actually thinking. If Genya and Foley show up and have the maybe the, the Genya and Foley of years gone by, then actually Ke- uh, Beal, Karevi, Falau as your sort of spine of the team, and then you've even got Kurindrani on on the bench. You sort of think that's actually decent. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure Rona and Spate would get in many other international sides, but um, on the wings, but the sort of spine of that backline, I was thinking they could do some damage. So to to make such basic errors is really odd. Well. Um, I forgot what I was going to go. Go on, Phil. Well, the back line, it was interesting because defensively they were dreadful. Yeah. They were really, and particularly in that first kind of 46 minutes or so, they were really awful. Um, But they did show what they can do and the potential that they have going forward, Mm. given half a chance, which was in the last 30 minutes, they scored four tries. Well, yeah, let's just rewind that because the first three minutes alone, I thought, hang on, they're in for a game here. <laughs> you know, they just Australia just marched up the field. Like, you know, there was nothing stopping them. And then they, they won the penalty. Yep. Slotted three points. But it, it you often see that, that the first few minutes, first five minutes, don't really tell the story of the game. No. Um, you'll often see teams in it, certainly the first five, first ten, first fifteen minutes, and then you start to get a real feel of where the teams are. Uh, and it was from ten minutes when Liam Squire scored until it was forty-eight minutes in when New Zealand scored their last try, their last try that was allowed, that they were just untouchable. Yeah, Un- certainly untouchable by that Australian team. Yeah, I don't even know why New Zealand stopped. Because something happened, like whether they wanted to preserve the rugby championship for next year or something happened, which meant they just stopped playing rugby or stopped defending. Or they certainly weren't as good a team second half. They switched off. They, they, it was like they visibly switched off. They got to it was fifty four six after forty eight minutes. So yeah. you, and it's very difficult to. Well, yeah, fifty four. It's, it's not in New Zealanders' uh, mentality to have a mercy kind of no, uh, approach. It wasn't like that, but like you say, they just. Well, the only thing I can think of, right, is it got to half time and they did make some changes. The Australians, the the big one, which I was really glad to see, was Kieran Drawney on 
uh, Karevi off because he's just, like I said, not good enough. And it kind of highlighted something. I mean, I'm, I'm really you know, clutching at straws here. But it did highlight that this New Zealand lot don't like being played against at all. You know, you put them under any kind of pressure and they and they do tend to fold. They conceded 36 points, was it? 34. Th- 34. 34 points. But 28 of those were in a 20-minute window. Yeah. But, you know, when you bang on about culture and excellence... That- yeah, but, you'd have thought that's when they dig in to really yeah, but show in a, their class. There's a bit of me that also thinks the New Zealand coaches would have been going, I'm really glad we had that because now we can still roast them and raise the bar even yeah. higher. Yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right there. And but that, there again, I'd almost be disappointed as a coach as well. I mean, it's a double oh, sword, yeah. isn't you'd it? You'd be very disappointed. You'd be, you'd be furious, but it gives you a bit of ammunition to put them through the meat grinder again and kind of make a big improvement. And Question for you. Do either of you know? Quick, quick one quiz question. Yeah, go on uh, then. What What was the last year that Australia had a Bledisloe Cup in their trophy cabinet? Jesus, um, oh, it was it was spoke about before the game. Two thousand and two or something. Probably yeah. last time Brumbies won a Super Rugby title, which is probably in the nineties or the early two thousands. It was two thousand and two. There you go. <laughs> Fifteen years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And from the from the way things are going, it could comfortably be another fifteen years. If, if they ever win one again. It raises the question, doesn't it? What is the future for Australian rugby? I mean, we spoke about this um, last week, and we thought 20 points, and we thought 30, I thought 30 points. looked yep. for a while like we were both miles off. Oh, yeah. It looks like it was going to be well, 50, 50 or 60 points. After 48 minutes, when they, are, they were 48 points up, 48 points up after 48 minutes, well, you think this is going to be a cricket score? Yeah. Uh, well, at least a twenty twenty score, <laughs> maybe a basketball score. <laughs> yeah. Very one sided basketball game. Uh, I ju- <laughs> it's so sad. I mean, the attendances have gone down continually. I think for the last seven years, from a height of eighty six thousand down to I think fifty seven. Um, this this game, the ARU have just got rid of the um, of the Western Force. You know, their idea of a rugby strategy is getting one guy back from Wasps or signing middle-grade yeah. rugby league talent. Yeah. I mean, where is the development of the young lads? There's plenty of rugby in Australia. There's, there's plenty of grand old clubs. They've got loads of history. You know, they've got lads in their history, the likes of Roth and Gregham and Larkham and you know, all these boys, and yet this is what they produce. And quite frankly, it's not good enough. In fact, it's an absolute national disgrace. Um it's abysmal, and it's been happening year year after year. Well, if you are Australian, you can look forward to next week's fixture, which is the return leg. Yeah, in, well, in New Zealand. I'll, I'll make a suggestion now. Next time Australia do, have you seen their their welcome to country ceremony? No, they do a welcome to country ceremony done by an indigenous person, right? Next time, they say access denied because the boys can't play rugby. <laughs> no, it's embarrassing. We don't want our culture tainted by this nonsense. <laughs> Permission to play? Not granted. <laughs> uh, sort it out because it's really, really poor. It's it's one of the it's one of the biggest looming disasters for world rugby. This is the state of Australian rugby, or yeah. the the difference between the pack and New Zealand. Um, well, firstly, interesting. If you looked at the Australian pack, uh, just if if they were lined up, I reckon there's about three or four people who you wouldn't actually be able to confidently identify which oh, yeah. which was which if you were given names and then had to match them up with people in front of you. Yes. 
Yeah. You're probably right. I, at one point, I thought, is that Dean Mum? Dean Mum wasn't <laughs> even in the squad. So. Dean Mum, has he retired now? I hope not. <laughs> Ned Hannigan. That yeah. house, household name, Ned Hannigan. Who's not Sounds like an outlaw. Big Ned. Not only did I not know what he looked like before the game, having watched him, <laughs> I still don't know what he looks what, like. Uh, was that the seven? Six. Six. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I only say that because you told me he was in the back row before the podcast. Like, <laughs> he was. Okay. <laughs> Um, it's a mess. Yeah, and one of the worst, one of the worst accolades I've ever heard. Congratulations, plotting out. Most used substitutes in Australian history. Oh, God. <laughs> Congratulations. Crack open the cans. <laughs> wow. Mm. Well, you were saying, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and segue us from one to another by saying the other crisis in rugby has been a, a, a significant worsening in the quality of kits that teams have been releasing, oh, with not. with a few exceptions, but generally speaking, there have been some awful ones. I think we can feel a little bit better about some of the shirts that have come out. Uh, so, in, in a quick stash watch, again, we, I know this is a not a visual medium, so mm-hmm, go mm-hmm. and find this out. But the Ospreys new home shirt, reasonable, plain black with some yep. white detail, yeah, yeah, all over that. Nothing wrong with that. It's reasonable. I don't like the blue. No, oh, the blue on the sponsor. Oh, fine. Level rugby. I'm over it. Uh, Bath Rugby have unveiled their change and European shirts. Which I am a big fan of. Well done, Bath. So they've got uh, a plain white change kit. Yep. Uh, wait, have I not been calling for this for years? Yeah. Like what, like as in change kit? The, the All change kits change should kit be white. To, should be white. Yeah. Yes. So, well, uh, well done. Listening to me again. Like that. <laughs> and, um, the, uh, and the European uh, kit. And do you know what? If you have a plain change kit, you can do whatever you want with your third kit, and I won't criticise you. They've kept it pretty classy. Yeah, it's fine. And on the European shirt, they've got the... I I do like the stars or the whatever, or the little cup symbols that people put on to identify, to signify the the number of times they've won that competition. Yeah, I like it too. Nice detail. So good work at Canterbury on that. Well done. So I feel feel a lot better about the state of kits. Argentina. Let's talk about that kit. Just before before you do, Tim, a quick quiz question for you. Yeah. Um... Bath played Ospreys. What cup did they play for? The Big Gav Cup. The Big Gav Cup. Good. <laughs> but not the right answer. Paul James Trophy? It is not the Paul James Trophy. Ooh, the Assy Trophy. The Assy Trophy, no. Nope. The Canterbury Cup. Correct. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, have that. <laughs> nice. There you go. Uh, Bath won that one, didn't they? Yeah. Um, sorry, you were saying the... Uh, the Argentina kit. Oh, Ooh. Nike. I, I can't think of many other teams that have a kit made by Nike. Uh, no, Argentina. I, I, I think the Argentine... The Argentine... The Argentine... Sorry. The Argentinian <laughs> kit design meeting is very similar to the Porsche 911 design meeting. Yes. yes. Uh, remove all that detail, please. Yeah. Last year's was nearly perfect. Let's keep it... <laughs> Almost exactly the same. 99.99% the same. Yes. Beautiful kit, well done. The, that bl- the blue one, the dark blue. I think it's that... almost... I never thought something that looks so close to a wetsuit could <laughs> could look so good. Uh, the only change I can see they've made to it is they've made room for slightly bigger traps because of the modern player. That's it, really. The... the... The mannequins that they put these shirts on are ridiculous. Aren't they just? 
shape, uh, the shape of them. It's just a great, great kit. <laughs> in fact, that's what they should do when they release a kit, because it's a good test of a kit. They should have like a your average Joe Bloggs <laughs> fat lad in, in the pictures next to the players. As um, as Brian Majority says in the Life of Brian videos, he goes, uh, middle-aged men with their funny, skinny, yet fat bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the sort of mannequin that we should have. Skinny arms, fat, fat body. Yeah, I'm all for that. Mm. Right, well, so so that's 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 one crisis that's maybe being averted in the world of rugby, even if Australia aren't playing ball and doing that themselves. Mm. So that's good. I, can, I, can, I, can I put forward a theory that I've kind of been mulling over regarding, not necessarily Australia, but more New Zealand and regards to the chasing pack? Okay. I think the chasing pack that you're referring to, it's New Zealand, and then immediately beneath them, if not in the same on the same level of them, as them, is England and Ireland. Then everyone else is basically a tier two nation at the moment. I would go with that. I think the gap is there is still a gap. I still think that New Zealand would be England probably Ireland nine times out of ten, England eight times out of ten. No, I disagree with that. I think they'd beat them more times then they lose but my point really is the development of players and the progression through the system and the structures yeah, they have that's true no one I mean Ireland probably are second if you think about it in terms of that development yeah in terms of how they get their players through where well, they're playing the standard rugby that the domestic clubs play I'd just I'd say the the big advantage that they, they have is the majority of their combinations play for two teams yeah and a handful for Ulster and a, a couple for Connacht but most of them playing combinations at Munster and Leinster. So that's a massive advantage because you don't get that in the Premiership other than probably the Saracens pack. Yeah. Uh, It's not dissimilar to how New Zealand do things, really. Mm. That's true. And if you looked at, say, you know, how many games would Leinster or Munster lose to, say, Crusaders or someone? You know, it'd be an intriguing prospect. Depends on the conditions, I feel. Mm. Uh, In probably... Uh, an Irish or a Northern Hemisphere winter, you'd ba- you'd probably back uh, Munster and Leinster. Yeah, I in a free flowing. Not that it's always uh, sunny and dry in New Zealand, but in those conditions, you'd probably back the Canes or the Crusaders. Yeah, I wonder if like this is just a thought experiment. Instead of a summer tour one year, and Ireland wanted to be creative, instead of just sending the Irish team over, send over the actual provincial teams and do like a, like a miniature tour of three games each. Yeah, that'd be awesome just to see Leinster get- Munster uh, against not the All Blacks, but against the yeah, their yeah. provincial teams. You'd get a lot of players exposed to a, a new level of rugby. And I'm you know instead of filling out one stadium, you'd probably fill out three. The, the- but only only Ireland could do that. The, yes. only, the only way that the Premiership could do it would be to have, like, regional. So you'd have the north of England, the southwest, and the southeast. Yeah, the Premiership couldn't do it, but Ireland genuinely could, and it might well, the, even be worth sacking off their summer tour. Yeah. To have, maybe they have two provincial games each, and then one Ireland game at, at the end. Well, new World Rugby fixture schedule is going to happen from twenty nineteen. There you go. That could be one for discussion. Bring yeah. now, believe me later. I'm on something there. Listen, I want to take a brief moment to uh, say, to point out, uh, firstly say thank you to one of the people that make this podcast possible. And if you enjoy it, uh, we ask you just a couple of things. One, just take a moment out of your day to leave us a, a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help. Uh, and tons of people have done it already. Thank you in advance uh, for doing it yourself. Um, and also, just want to let you know about uh, one group of people that 
uh, have supported the podcast for years, and that is the wonderful people at Cornerstone. Uh, they're big fans of rugby. They love the podcast. We've got a great relationship with them. We totally believe in their raises as being the best you can possibly get. And because you listen to us, you get the opportunity to try that for just four quid. Less than a pint, and you get a presentation box sent to you of six raises. How much would six like disposable good razors cost you? It'd be, be more than four quid anyway. Uh, a oh. lot, a lot. Uh, I, I think somewhere in the region of £100,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the qu- for comparable quality. Well, you can't, you can't right. there isn't comparable yeah, quality. Exactly. This, this is the point. But you would, spe- you would spend more on this on some, some in your supermarket. And the point is you get these delivered straight to you in a presentation box, six amazing raises, and, and, that's, uh, uh, and you get a free engraved aluminium shaft some other companies have come up trying to do the cornerstone model trying to do what they do not as well they give you these plasticky handles get the real deal one that you can have engraved with your initials four quid for so, this hmm? four quid get involved uh, all you need to do is go to cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers cornerstone.co.uk slash egg chasers or egg turn at checkout Give it a go, and we reckon you will love it as much as we do. Uh, right, so we've got we're going to put some teams under the microscope. Let's pick one of these teams and do that right now as we get excited about the brand new season. Then Phil's got a quiz we're going to play. Uh, do you want to go Pro 14 or Avicii? Go Pro 14 first. Pro 14, Leinster. Leinster. Now, Peter BT has got in touch on Facebook. Uh, and Peter BT, interestingly, is he's Irish, I believe, but he currently lives in Madrid. Ooh. And he, he's asked whether we're coming over. and We are. We will be at some point very soon. In the next six months, I would say, we will be in Madrid to watch a game. And in the next couple of weeks, I would imagine, we will have some details for you about exactly when we're in Madrid. So if you heard the shenanigans and the fun that went on in Bucharest, <laughs> you, can come and, you can come and be part of the next trip. Yep, live show and all. Indeed. So, Leinster. So... In his overview, he says, positives, great strength in depth. Yep. Good coaching setup. Agreed. Yep. Stuart Lancaster, especially. If he does say, if a little confusing, the the setup as Lancaster as a, he's he's a senior coach, but then he's under Cullen. He's kind of a consultant, I'd guess. Kind of like his consultant, but he's not. Stuart Lancaster mainly. I thought he like did. I thought he was their defence. I thought he did mind mind conditioning or something or <laughs> I think, I think lifestyle coaching. I think it's all of the above. He's a culture coach, certainly. Yeah, but he is a senior coach above the rest of the coaches, uh, Fogarty and Dempsey, but beneath Cullen as head coach, maybe. Mm, anyway, nice. that's positive. Um, Game winning mentality, another positive, and impressive try scoring ability. The negatives. Injury concerns to big players, particularly at the start of the season, there are a few. The inexperience at nine, and the they are liable to start the season very slowly, which also is compounded by the fact that they've got some injuries. Um, and am I right in saying that Lions are given extra time off? They've certainly, most of them have only just started training again for pre-season. Yeah, I don't know what the rules are about them playing, but certainly they have their, well the English players have their mandatory five weeks off. Yeah. I imagine that the Irish players are better looked after again. So from what I've seen, none of them have played the pre-season games yet. Um, weirdly, the weakness at nine is probably a strength in a way. Because what I don't like is when they say, oh no, we've got a weakness at nine, let's go and get a nine. Because then you don't really develop the next nine for the future. Well, look at um, 
look at Exeter's weakness at nine when Will Chudley went down last year. Exactly. And then all of a sudden you've got two guys in and around the England squad who are 18, 19 years old. Yeah, I'm sure they've got plenty of talent there. It's just who are they going to blood and who steps forward? And there will be someone. But they've been blooding McGrath, Luke McGrath, uh, and they've got... I, I pains me to say his name, Jameson Gibson Park, because he's the reason that... That Pinar has left Ulster, but they've got those two. Who are get- Run that past me again. Why is that? Because they brought him in, and then the IRFU. So he was on a longer-term deal than Pinar, and Pinar had to step down because of the IRFU requirement to have only, I think, one uh, foreign player in each position. Oh. Oh, I see. Oh, dear. You've really been screwed over, haven't you, by the way? Yeah. By um, other people's signings. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway, so the players in, um, James Lowe, who is a uh, Chiefs winger, yep. and Scott Fardy. Scott Fardy. Fardy. So Scott Fardy joins maybe the most impressive list of back rowers any club has ever assembled. Well, it's interesting. You, you are right. I think they'll use Scott Fardy as a second row. Yeah. So he's six foot six. He's 30. Is he that big? Yeah. He's 115 kg. He's 33 years old, and you are exactly right about the strength of depth of their back row. So I can't their see Their sevens are just... It's outrageous. So, so can you list a better group of sevens in any professional setup ever? <laughs> I mean, it's a serious question. Uh, there must have been one at Leicester when Lewis Moody and Neil Back were there. Le- Lewis Moody, and maybe Neil Josh Cromfeld is one I'm thinking of. Yeah. That's and, handy. And they'd search bets and oh, that was wasps. That was wasps. wasps. Yeah. Um, so probably that would it's probably the best collection of sevens since the European all-conquering Leicester side think, of the mid nineties. I think wasps might have put together Betson, Haskell, Reese, uh, Johnny, Johnny's, o- yeah. Johnny O'Connor for a little while was kind of in that mix, but I might be getting my timeframes mixed up. He was pretty decent. But not on this level, I don't think. Yeah. So what are we talking? We got uh, so sh- in the back row, Heaslip and Conan, and Peter s- says that he expects Conan to really be pushing Heaslip now. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got Max Deegan at Leinster. Is he the guy at Leinster? Like he's the under twenties guy. He's or am I think is he the fullback? He's not listed. They, they, they yeah, had an yeah, awesome yeah. number eight that was their captain the other year that was coming through. Anyway, hmm. so Heaslip and Conan, O'Brien, Van der Fleer, uh, and Levy. And then Ruddock and Murphy. Tidy. Mm. Yes. Very handy. Yeah, they play a bit. Yeah. Um, and out Kirchner, who's gone to Dragons. No great loss. Uh, Do oh, we know how Dragons... Sorry, go on. Um, McCarthy. Uh, Ross has retired. And Ryan. And Ryan's gone to Leicester, hasn't he? Yeah. And Ryan. Yeah. Not Donica Ryan. Sorry, uh, which which Ryan is it? Oh, hold on. No, is it Donica Ryan? No, no, it's not Donica Ryan. It's uh, uh, oh yes, maybe Matt Ryan. Domin- Dominic Ryan. Matt Ryan, the quarterback. Dominic Ryan. Dominic Ryan. And Dominic Ryan scored in Leicester's preseason game at the weekend. Hmm. Just uh, I've just been doing a bit of scouting for our uh, fancy <laughs> rugby draft oh, draft, really? which is in a couple of hours' time. It is. Well, that's when things will really heat up. <laughs> uh. Really, really heats up. I'm surprised I can actually focus on what we're talking about, to be honest. I'm so nervous about this fantasy draft. That's why you've got to be prepared. Prepare, and then prepare again. Right, yes. even if Phil's going to w- even, even wuss out, JB, I think we commit to maybe 
letting people in on on what it's like in being in the midst of a draft by recording our first couple of rounds. There, the problem is, Tim, with that, and there, you know, there's nothing really exciting about watching just a true professional with ice running through his veins. <laughs> <laughs> there's not going to be much action from me, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, if we do it as a, do it as a three, maybe you know the hysteria between you two would be quite something to watch. Yeah, come on, <laughs> Phil. Uh, no, I need my profession. I need to plug myself into the matrix. I got my setup all geared up in the study. Mm. Um. So, yeah, we spoke about a few players there. Others, so fly halves, Sexton, Carberry, Burn, very impressive. Sen- <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> you okay? Yeah, <coughs> it's just about. Centers Henshaw. Is this some covert messaging about a fancy rugby draft? <laughs> it is. Centers Henshaw and Ringrose, and back three of Carney, Carney, Nasewa, Burn, Lowe, and McFadden. So, all looking pretty handy. Dynamite. So it's, it's uh, there's to lose, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean thought... it's, it's very competitive, so it's hard to say that in that sense. But they're they're, they're clear, surely clear favourites. You'd clear, clear favourites. I'd say they are favourites. They did so they got to the semi final of both European uh, Champions Cup, where they lost away to Clermont, and uh, Pro Twelve semi final where they lost at home to Scarlets, mm. which will be a big disappointment for them. But I, Scarlets were excellent. I think semi finals in Europe is their minimum, and I think finally in the Pro Twelve is their minimum. I would agree with that. I absolutely. And if they do that, it has to be. I mean, you can't win it every year. You know, I think that is a, a successful season. Yeah, yeah. If if they don't, so if they don't make it to the last sixteen of the European Champions Cup, who have they got in their group? If they don't make it to the last sixteen, and if they don't make at least the final in the Pro Twelve, it will be disappointing. The fixtures for all that come out this week. Is it this week? Yeah. Ah, excellent! I, look out for the Glasgow fixtures because they are of particular interest to, to us because we're going to go and watch them when they have their Friday night game, which I think is going to be more often than not. Leinster have Exeter Chiefs, Glasgow Warriors, Ooh, and, and Montpellier. Montpellier with the one of the finest eight, nine, ten gombos you will ever see in professional club rugby. Yeah, and yes. if you keep your ears peeled, I've interviewed. Um, Namani Nadolo this yeah. week on the Ruby Dungeon. So Louis Picamol and um, uh, Ruan Pinar. Ruan Pinar and, and the Aaron ten. Cruden. Aaron Cruden. Oh, of course. I was, I was going, I knew it was a That is phenomenal. That is crazy good. Yeah. That really and is phenomenal. Don't sleep on the fact that they're now being coached by um, Vern, Vern Cotter. Yeah. So they're not going to be playing the old, stu- um, you know, turgid rugby of. Uh, uh, Jake, Jake White. White. I mean, this is going to be a really exciting team, and they're massive. They are. They are genuinely in- enormous. Enormous. <laughs> yeah, enormous. just because the fixtures are coming out, let me just run through those Champions Cup t- okay. um, fixtures. Well, no, not the fixtures, but the the pools again. Mm. So Quinns, um, La Rochelle, Ulster, and Wasps. Yeah. Which I think, if you're Ulster, Ulster and Wasps, you're probably relatively satisfied with uh, we're, we're against what it could have been yeah mm-hmm. you take it uh, Claremont and Saracens are in the Oof. same pool with Oof. Northampton and Ospreys Oof. and then the, the pool, uh, pool C is the one I just talked about that features Leinster Cast Le- Leicester Munster and Racing interesting you got a Le- lot of re- Leicester, repeated foes that re- Leicester Munster Racing again again 
Yeah. Yeah, with cast. Oh, God, yeah. And then Bath, I mean, this. Just compare the ones we've talked about. It's a lot. Uh, I have a pull with... Oh, mind you, Scarlet's are really good, so I'll take yeah. it back. Uh, Toulon, Scarlet's again. They were in the same pool last year. Uh, Benetton, Treviso, Bath. It's gonna, it, so so you're probably going to get two from that pool. Yeah, so the rules that uh, will change from next year and you won't get a Treviso in unless they get it on merit. So yes. that'll be even tougher, but bring it on. So yeah, it's going to be brutal when that happens. Keep an eye out for the fixture lists when they're announced this coming week. So that was Le- that was Leinster. We've done the Bledisloe Cup. Um, let's br- very briefly. There's not a great deal to talk about in terms of the South Africa pretty comfortable win over Argentina. Yeah, very good set piece. That's probably the most heartening thing for South Africa. It was built around their set piece mm-hmm. and, they, and against Argentina. Yeah, they hammered the scrum. No didn't they? Yeah. Hammered the sc- lineup was brilliant. Hammered the scrum and. So Etzebeth was captain in the side. Oh, was he? And he turned down shots at goals, shots at goal on several occasions and went on to score tries from, from those positions. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's very interesting, actually, to see that happen. Yeah, I, I know I've said it for a few weeks now, maybe a few months, but there is a stirring that South Africa, I think, are going to become good again. Maybe I not they, good. I think they already have. Yeah. They, already I, don't think, I don't think yet they can be compared to the All Blacks. No, 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 no. I think that's... But, as, as I said a couple of weeks ago, mm. I think by 2019, if they continue to progress, if they, if their Super Rugby teams continue to progress, they retain their talent and they build a squad and build it around Elton Yantes, who is playing so well for the Lions and for South Africa, you've got a hell of a team. And their, their pack is back to being what it should be, which is one of the most, if not the most, feared packs in world rugby. I'm trying to think of who Elton Yanchis reminds me of, the way he plays. Of other players? Yeah. Hmm. Not quite like a Carlos Spencer. He's a little bit more solid than that. But he's got a very... He's, he's got... in bet- He's probably peak Cipriani. Oh, nice. He's probably comparable to that, which I don't think Cipriani... We're not going to get a horn for peak Cipriani. <laughs> no. I just, uh, just to let you know, that's, that's exclusively for Tia. So yep. in Cipriani's kind of so now I think he's gone too far towards the steady uh position. I don't think he's anywhere near as exciting as he was. Um but when on his early days he was almost too exciting and then he calmed down a little bit and then he had maybe one or two seasons where he was very good, good balance, 
incredible attacking <coughs> ability when he turned it on and good decision making. Uh, it feels like South Africa have been scared of Yanchis for so many years and the finally kind of just embraced him and let you know, let him let him run with it. But he has got he's got more control because of he has to un- under that Lions. Yeah, I think team. He, I think he also works very well, doesn't he, with Ross Cronier? Yeah, yeah, that's a big difference. Uh, it's interesting again, having looking at the, the the profile of that South South Africa side. There's a few names that were in that have been in the last two years in the under twenties team, Kerwin Bosch and Peter Steftetois. Uh, that is the second row, isn't it? The big blonde. Uh, he's massive, second row young, or back row. Young, yeah. Like they're both. Oh yeah, he's huge. They're both like twenty. They're both twenty. They're both immense. Yeah, yeah. So they've got. They've just. It just feels like all the cogs are starting yeah. to turn. But again. that is the boy that was shown up, wasn't it, by Ben Youngs? It it is. Yeah. He got yeah. absolutely destroyed. But you know, if he was, he was, was relatively he, young, and he's so big as well. I think he was yeah. playing open side in that game as well. Yeah. Whatever he was doing, it wasn't sucking Ben Youngs. Yeah. <laughs> um, Watching Ben Youngs yeah. glide past him under the post. Uh, I would be. I mean, if the set piece is as promising as it looks against an audience, an audience line team who are renowned for their set piece. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how New Zealand go and deal with it. Yeah. Because that could be, you know, it could be a real tight game. That. But New Zealand dealt with the best that Britain and Ireland could offer. They did. They did. But we'll just see. We'll just yeah. see. Can, can I just show some appreciation as well for the names of the South African players? I love the names of They've South African players. They've got some players. great names. Raymond Rule. It's just an <laughs> awesome name. Um, I love Malcolm Marks. Yep. It's brilliant. Malcolm, he is a hell of a player as he well. He's a great player as well, isn't he? Uh, Khaleesi. Yes. Great name. Tight shorts. Yes. Yeah. Very tight shorts on Khaleesi. And Kerwin Bosch. Bosch. Uh, Kitschoff. I just they've got some great names. They've always had great. I mean, even yeah. players that don't play in the national team, like Quagga Smith. What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who named you? <laughs> Chili Boy Ralapelli. Yep. Uh, Bongo and Bombi. Uh, even things like Du no, Duplassie. Bis- Bismarck. Bismarck Duplassie is a battleship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Bongi um Bongi Umbanambi. Yeah. E- yeah. Easy for you to say. Um, Love it. The flip side of this game, though, was it was pretty poor by Argentina for most of the game. Their scrum and lineout didn't hold up as well as you would expect, and they are renowned for having one of the best scrums and lineouts. Uh, Nicolas Sanchez, it feels like he has gone backwards since he's been solely involved in the Jaguaras, yeah. mm. which is is counterintuitive for everything we know about building sports teams, particularly f- around the Ben Darwin stuff yeah, uh, and contractual security and having combinations playing together. But it it just doesn't seem to have worked in the way it should have done. See, I, I think that combinations working together are key, but not having all of your combinations combined. Well, this is the problem. So all of your combinations are combined at all times now. Yeah. So they get no experimentation. They just do the same thing with the same people over and over again. Exactly. So I always think of New Zealand as this, you know, crazy experimental um, laboratory where they try out all kinds of mad stuff. So that's what these relatively well-equipped coaching staffs with all their facilities do over there. I mean, whether it be the Chiefs not contesting at Rooks for the first time or yep. whatever it is, they're always trying something. Uh, and that's why they're so good, ultimately. And then they've got the kind of competition. You still need co- the competition between different 
competing combinations. Yeah. Um, and the Pumas don't have that. They just have the, drag- the, the Haguaras. So I think they actually need another Super Rugby team in there. But Christ, after getting rid of three Super Rugby teams this year, that's a big ask. Pro 12 team. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That, well, that, yeah. Well, um, that actually wouldn't be a terrible idea. Um, it would be. It might be. <laughs> it might be a terrible idea. Uh, Philip, you've got a quiz. I have. Give me a second. Right. Relatively short one. Oh, good. Um, have you got notes available yeah. on your respective mm. laptops yep. or phones? Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, first question. Which media organisation owns ESPN, which is one of the best places to get free access to rugby statistics? Okay, next. You got an answer, Tim? Um, Come on, Tim, it's dead easy, that one. You, you know your sports media inside out. You do know sports media. Okay, yeah. Okay. Question two. When did Manu Tuilagi last play a game for England? Oh. I want the month and the year. Oh, uh... Okay. Hmm. You want the, the game? Uh, I don't want the game. I want the month and the year. Okay. Question three. Which club does Stefan Armitage currently play for? Stefan. Stefan. Not Delon. Not Bevon. Not Guy. Hang on, hang on. Stefan. Stefan. Okay. Question four. Who scored a hat-trick for Saracens in their pre-season fixture against Bedford this weekend? No idea. Uh, A little clue for your fantasy rugby drafts later? No idea either. I'll go with that one. Okay. Um... Dragons lost three out of three of their pre-season fixtures. Did they lose again this weekend? They lost again this weekend. Well, against two, what was the score? Oh. But how many points did they concede in total to the nearest ten? Question again. Dragons lost three out of three of their pre-season fixtures this year. Yeah. How many points did they concede in total to the nearest ten? So let's say you think they conceded 251 yeah. points. Say 250. Mm-hmm. Three matches. Okay. Uh, final two questions. First, well, penultimate question. James Haskell has been fishing with magnets this week. Righto. <laughs> Can you name two of the things that he's pulled up? He's been fishing in a canal with magnets. What? Not the he hasn't game. been not for fishing. He's he's been so he's been dredging a canal with yeah, a magnet. Dredging off. a canal is probably the better way of saying it. Mm-hmm. So there might because it's all on his um, his Instagram stories. I've seen this. There might be a couple of things I've missed, but I've got two that I've seen. <laughs> okay. And final, name little Jimmy Gopeth's five rugby clubs. This Easy. Will, this will be negatively marked. 
If you get one wrong, you get minus points. Hmm. That's number five. Yeah, I'm with you here, Tim. So three are definitely easy. Well, four are easy, mate. Okay, Jay, have we got some answers? Yes, I have. Tim? I've got four. Do you want to risk five? I don't think I do. No, I don't. If it's negatively marked. It's negatively then... marked. Again. Okay. Question one. I think GB's got this. So, Tim, who owns ESPN? Uh, I guess Disney, but I don't know. Disney. Is, is correct. Yeah. Great. Yes. One point each. God damn it. I thought I had that one in the bag. I just, yeah. I I know ESPN have bars at, uh, all over the place in, um, Do they? in, in Disney f- places. Uh, like, like Dad fact. In Vegas and all those <laughs> sorts of places. Anyway. Who does Stefan Armitage currently play for? Uh, he plays Stefan Armitage. Yeah, I know this. The seven pressure. I yeah. know. I know it, Jay. Who played? I know it. Who has decided to follow one of his mentors? I know it. Carl Heyman to pow. Ah, pow, 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 One point each, or two points yes. each in total. Who scored a hat trick for Saracens? Have you not week? missed uh, the Tulangi question? Yeah, no, oh, sorry, yeah, Manu. I have missed. Sorry, I have missed the Manu question. What was it? What month and... Uh... I guessed February 2016. November 14. It can't be that long, can it? Tim is closer. Oh. So it's 15. No, it was March 2016 uh, in the Six Nations knew, that year. Yeah. So it, he has played under Eddie Jones. Well, no points there. No points, though. Um, Hat-trick for Saracens in the pre-season fi- I just fixture. guessed. I oh, know, because Liam Williams went to play because he was on the Lions, damn it. Uh, I wrote yes. Liam Williams, damn I, it. Oh, I put Tompkins. Is incorrect. Oh. It's Scal- Gallagher? Scalp Brits. Really? really? Yeah. Noted Fair for way. later. <laughs> what <laughs> position? Doesn't matter, does it? Fancy draft, uh, love uh, it. Front, yeah, front row. Front row Saracens point. front row. I, w- I would seriously, if I was eighth or ninth in the draft order, I would seriously consider Saracens or Wasps. Front row is my first pick. Mm, interesting. Mm. Go on. Uh, Why don't you stick around in the rugby dungeon? We can sit and all <laughs> go through the draft together. Well, you can shout out what what Phil has gone for when I'm <laughs> locked into the matrix. Right. Uh, Dragons. How many points have they conceded to the nearest 10? I guess 100. 160. So 161. JB is Boom. correct. Oh, does that mean JB's ahead? It JB does. is ahead. 3 2. Oh, come on. Don't worry. Dredging from a canal sounds like you're. Like, <laughs> like that sort of thing. Well, on, on Haskell dredging out of a canal with magnets, so, I say. J- well, JB, have oh, yeah. you got anything? Because I think Tim might have some positive uh, answers. I, I haven't watched his Instagram story. Uh, I've oh, got okay. two things which he might have dredged up. For. Well, what would you throw in a canal? Go on. A gun? Uh, incorrect. And a trolley? I guess the trolley and a can of beans. Oh, you're incorrect on all counts. The, uh. two, the two that I saw were a bike and a safe. Oh, really? <laughs> I have no idea. The safe was empty. I have no idea why James Haskell is doing this, but go he's to try- Instagram stories. What's amazing about about this isn't that he's doing it, but that how many businesses he has, how busy he is, how prolific, and he still finds time to <laughs> dredge canal. canals you, with magnets. You'd understand, wouldn't it, if it's David Pocock? Yeah. <laughs> was it? Well, Pocock was dredging rivers with magnets. <laughs> Final then, so... JB leads 3-2, going into... I'm going to have to go for five then, aren't I? You're going to write your fifth one down, Tim? Oh, here we go. It's not in the... It's not in... 
It's not in Europe. Unless he was on loan somewhere. Ooh. I'm going to go for that. Right. Okay. I've written five down. Right. JB, do you want to go in chronological order? Blues. Oh, you're going from the start? From the start to the end. Yeah. Well, well that's chronological, isn't it? Well, blues is not chronological, but blues is... is so, Tim, have you written blues? That was the w- extra one I just wrote down. The, my fifth answer was blues. Blues is correct. Yo, one point. I'm getting excited now. It could one be a point draw. Each. But blues was not his first club. I was going to say chronological going backwards because that's easier. Okay, well, let's do that now. Okay. Because obviously we both know he's at Wasps. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I didn't two. have that. <laughs> that's two. <laughs> and then before that, we know he was at... Leinster. Leinster. So that's th- and before that, we know he was at... Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah. Which we've got. So there's one more. Yes. I do not have that. that I have. Well, I don't know if it's right. I No, I thought this was the one I knew because I think the Blues was the guess. The guess. I'm sure he was a beloved cane, one of Phil's beloved canes. Is correct. Yes! <laughs> the draw. <laughs> and that's, what, that's where he played most of his Super Rugby. A, a draw or an Australian victory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if he played most of his rugby, but... so. This year, Jordy Barrett has scored more than 100 points for the Canes on debut 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 season. The last person to do it wasn't Cruden, who made his debut there. It wasn't Bowden Barrett. It was L- little Jimmy Gopeth. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't know Cruden played at the Canes. Yeah. Oh, there you go. If I get first pick of the draft, Jimmy Gopeth all day long. Uh, yes. Really? So he's still only going for? Interesting. If I get first pick, if he's available when I get my first pick... I will be picking little drippy, little Jimmy Gopeth. Little Jim, excellent. So it's a draw. It was. After all that, it's a draw. After all that, it is a draw. Um, let's go to. We've already heard of some tales of various shenanigans going on with New Zealand rugby players. How about just some tales of some shenanigans that are going on in New Zealand as Joe Marler reflected on his time as a British and Irish lion. He gave an interview in the Telegraph, which was. Uh, in this weekend and he's talking about in an era of professionalism and commercialism he's well he didn't say these words this is what the easy journalist can't imagine going joe marlow going well mate in, <laughs> in an era of professionalism and commercialism uh, he was just saying how it was a it felt really old school the whole tour and he really really values it and talked about lots of the young guys uh you know coming through and that's not really part of their thing which is fine that's their game but he he Despite being relatively young himself, he yeah. he really really enjoys that and and said that he was regularly on FaceTime. He's getting calls from his missus on FaceTime, and she she would regularly ask him, "Are oh, you are you pissed again?" <laughs> uh, and he blames Rory Best mainly for that. He said the midweek veg, as they were called, had a very very good tour <laughs> and worked their nuts off. Yeah, it's good to hear. It's, it's a good read. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, he's always an interesting character. It was interesting to. Because from his perspective, he felt that he was always kind of on the periphery. Yeah. He never felt that he had a chance of getting to the test team unless one of the test players played themselves out of it, which was probably what George North did. Yes. Uh, but just interesting to hear that. He said he, they weren't split in the same way that they were in 2005, where they were told, look, you are team A and you are team B. But they knew... Bet, yeah. start. Bet yeah. Corey Hill knew what the situation was. <laughs> <laughs> Chris and Dacey. Yeah. Um, I reckon uh, Finn Russell reckon he had a real shot at making the test team. Have we got another review, boys? 
Uh, well, there's another team. Uh, well, yes, we do. So we've we've done the Pro 14. We've done the uh, Rugby Championship. We've uh, we've talked about shenanigans off the field. We've done a quiz. Uh, we're going to look at an Avicii Premiership side, and we have. We just want to say thank you very much again for uh, getting in touch with all of the previews of your club for the coming season. Your thoughts on last year. Your reflections. Your thoughts on their recruitment. And we really appreciate this because what we're getting is the thoughts of real bona fide fans uh, on on clubs. So with that in mind, let's move on to Sale Sharks. And this preview is being done again. Bona fide, hundred percent fans only. Uh, we have got JB to Sale Sharks. I have I have an email here. Okay, so thank you very much to um, Bonathan Jadmore, who is <laughs> who sent this in. Don't know who that is. Uh, so. Let's go with um, the incoming players for sale this year. Probably the most impressive recruitment drive of any of any Premiership team. They've added Josh Strauss, who uh, had previously captained captain Glasgow, very effective for uh, Scotland and current Scottish in, um, uh, international. John O'Ross, who you might not know, but was an extremely good player at Stade Francais to the extent that uh, quite a lot of the time Sergio Prise would be staying on the bench. And then they've got bona fide stars as well, Fafter Clerk, and they've also got J- um, got James O'Connor. Um, have I missed anyone there? Uh, they brought in the two from Bristol, the two Will former Cliff. players. Oh yeah, Cliff and Jones. Jones. Which, to be fair, is exactly the kind of recruitment that you want to be doing, bringing lads back rather than just getting outsiders. And a couple of massive tight heads. Yeah. Oh my God. Right. I'm gonna have to tell you now. There is a guy right called Will Griff. Will Griff John. Yeah. One of the best names ever. It looks like a Game of Thrones extra. He is the most massive man I've ever seen. <laughs> I kid you not. He is like Max Laheef. He's not quite as like ripped up as, Ma- as Max Laheef, but he's huge and he's in good nick, nick as well. Unbelievably huge. And they've got the... Um, Taros. The, the Romanian prop as well. Romanian tight head Taros. He's a very nice man, actually. Is he? Yeah. Is he the bald one that we saw, the big bald tight head? Yes. That we saw right. in, uh, well, Romania, Georgia. Yeah, and both of them bring you know, some well, serious Will, power. Will Griff John, he was, he's at the championship, right? Yeah, Doncaster. Doncaster. Yeah, Doncaster, Doncaster Knights. He's oh, huge. That, that's good to see. I, 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 the championship, you, you've seen over the years some really good stories of people that have come through, and Saracens, probably more than anyone, have mm. demonstrated that. And it's, oh, that's, that's good to see. I, I hope he does well. So, the biggest problem i have with all this recruitment is it's too much too soon so sale have increased though the their salary cap by about 50 percent on what they were spending last um, last year which is significant so part of that will be the new players and presumably part of it will be retaining some of the young english talent yeah yeah like ross harrison spent a lot of money Addis- on will addison, addison james mike Haley, Haley, beaumont yeah yeah so they've got a policy now that they're going to re-sign their young talent early. And this actually, this is more controversial than it sounds, actually, because a lot of commentators will tell you, how do they know that these lads are going to get England caps before they sign them up? Does that make sense? Well, almost. There's a lot of very... Arguably doesn't want them to get England caps. Yeah. He wants them to be the best that they can possibly be without actually getting many caps. So the Currys did their long-term extension just before they got capped for England. Yeah. And believe you me, they're a lot more valuable now uh, than... than they were before they signed yeah. their five-year 
extensions. A five-year deal is like locking yourself in on an 18-year-old person's money. They might be sort of going, oh, right, when's my contract? In four years' time, they might be going, when's my contract up? Come I can on. buy a Golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, some very, very... I mean, that actually, you've got a good point there, Tim, haven't you? You know, 18 years old, you're going to be 23 by the time that you get you know, your next contract. I mean, presumably, they... Can renegotiate contracts by a little, but very often. I mean, that's that's a smart way of doing it. Mm. Uh, now, getting so many players in so quickly does mean that you've got a bit of a time, a, a bit of a long time to integrate, and that is that's my biggest fear. Really, uh, they've not really lost anyone, and there's a couple of lads coming through the academy as well who who you're going to be excited about. There's a number nine called Sturgis, uh, meant to be very good. Nick Dolly. Who is a hooker? Uh, Tim, you, you spoke about him before, I think. Um, and there's another guy, which is Sam James's brother, and they're very excited. Luke James. Luke James, who's uh, another centre. We're going a bit deep talking about okay, unless they, uh, well, they might. Hang on, they may hang break on. Through. Come we've, on. Not, uh, we've, we've not got to the end of twelves yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so the players that they've lost. So the players are in, all positive. The players that they've lost. They've not really lost anyone that they'd be concerned about. Not really. So possibly Kieran Longbottom, who's going back to Saracens, but he didn't play that much anyway. No, but when he did, he made a good impact. But yeah, you're right. You're right, fundamentally. They've got two other tight heads. So you lose him. Brian Majority's gone to Ospreys. That happened partway through last season. Got bothered. Phillips has retired. Tuatupu's gone to Coventry. Uh, Neil Briggs has retired. Jonathan Mills retired to coach. uh, London Scottish. And I'm not sure we can tell you the other news about him yet okay but something very exciting is on the horizon for him and peter stringer yeah which uh, yeah but, um but stringer out faff in yeah is i'd take that i'd take that all day i don't know is the answer uh, faff de clerk is a fine player he's a springbok but is there a reason that he wasn't starting for the lions uh, possibly because he was leaving yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'd tell you, in the final, when he came on in the last 20 or 30 minutes against the Crusaders, that's when the Lions did all of their damage because he causes so much chaos. Yeah, and that's the problem, isn't it? Chaos. As, well, as long as the team around him are tuned into him, it's fine. Yeah. It will take, like you said, it will take some time for them all to integrate with that chaos. Right, and last year, 8-9-10 was the weakness for Sale Sharks. Yeah. Josh Boymont had a, had a really poor season. Yeah, he did. Really, really bad season. He was, caught, he was caught in a real hard place because they've moved him to lock. I don't think he's going to be... I don't think he's particularly good at lock, is my honest opinion. Well, I, th- I think they're going to play him at lock. Yeah. I, I think that's where he's going to be. I think that's where, oh, where he's going to be. Definitely, because they wouldn't have season. bought in two world-class eights if no, they rated him exactly. as an eight. So that's where he, he's, he's going to be moved to. I'm not sure that's going to suit him particularly. Um, it's almost like he's been pushed up there for schoolboy reasons, which is he's a bit tall. Um, but, but, eight, but, nine, but eight, nine, ten. now, they could have really potentially... Potentially, it's really good. Potentially, yeah. it could still be a bit... Yeah, that that's the key. That's the key area for sale. And it's these funny little dynamics which are really they're really going to struggle with because they've got AJ McGinty who didn't start the season well but finished it really strongly. He did. And as he's improving, getting to know all these very complex systems from a pretty unorthodox coaching system, who rocks up James O'Connor and he is listed as a fly half. He he wants to play fly half. Does he? Yeah. Uh, it's quite amusing because every time you ask him where you know where do you want where do you want to play, he does the very 
media trained thing and says, oh, well, it's up to the coaches. And the coaches drag him out in front of all the fans and sponsors and goes, come on then, James, tell us where, like, where you want to play. It's like, it's up to you guys. You can't ask me to say that. So th- I think that's a, a strange d- dynamic because, of course, AJ McGinty's improved into that role, but James O'Connor's James O'Connor and he's here for a reason. If you can get him playing his best, he'll be a very handy player to have. Yeah, so... Lo- loads of positives on the recruitment. The downsides are: will they in, um, integrate more fully? Uh, I don't, I'm not entirely sure that's possible in in such a short off season. Um, and not really lost anyone. Uh, and also keeping the young guys involved is a, a huge, huge boost. Yeah. Where do we? How do we assess their their chances? Phil, what do you reckon? So last season they finished was it ninth or tenth? Yeah, um, I think it was tenth. Yeah, uh, I think they have improved. I think the squad has undoubtedly improved. Um, I think the Hasn't whole, every, I think the whole has. Premiership has improved. Well, yeah, th- th- those those bottom teams have definitely improved. But I think the whole the whole league has. And by the way, we've not even mentioned Denny Solomona. Yeah, in all this. Um, so, sorry, Phil. Um, I think they will be finishing ninth or tenth again. Because I, th- I think the teams around them, Newcastle, Gloucester, Worcester, um, I think have all improved. London Irish as well coming in are better than Bristol were last year. Yeah. I've got to say, I I find it very hard to call where they're going to be. I'll tell you this, though, which is interesting. Uh, they openly talk about top four. That's where their, their ambition is. And without European rugby... They're not going to have those horrible runs of having Saracens four weeks in a row with Toulon <laughs> you know, in between. Yeah. So uh, I, the answer is I don't know. I really don't. I think they've got a lot of potential, but I don't think they have it where it really counts. I think their pack could be could do some real damage this year. Uh, it could intimidate quite a few teams. And, what about uh, But I just, I just, well, it, it's it's a lot. It's a toss of a coin. Will will their nine ten. Yeah. Will their nine ten pay off? Will it? Will it not? I think. I don't know. I I know my brother spent a year playing with James O'Connor and said he's an absolutely top lad. So what? Not what? What's presented in the media sometimes, or what you sometimes think you're getting with him from from an anecdotal experience. That's not the case. But I just think James O'Connor. The AJ Bell Stadium, but then I thought that about Danny Cipriani, and that worked out brilliantly. It did, didn't it? It did. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just. I think that's that's a toss of a coin, and I'm just gonna. If I were betting, it's red or black, and I'm betting that that's not gonna pay off, uh, and it's gonna be a ninth or tenth yeah. for sale. Yeah. So I, like I said, I don't know. But the, the factors I would point to are just because you're good with a small squad gutting it out doesn't mean you're good with the big squad. I don't know the answer to that. Although Steve Diamond's only finished outside the top four, sorry, top six, four times in his career, so that's fairly impressive. But I just don't think that necessarily translates to can you be a, you know an absolute top flight director of rugby. The other thing is they're so bloody unusual because you know there are the there are the two senior coaches there have never played a game of rugby union in their life because they're league boys because they're league boys. So that's why they play such a strange brand of rugby. I think they're in a good. I think they're in a good place to, to looking ahead because yeah. the next two years are going to be affected by a World Cup. Yep. And that every time there's a World Cup year, Sale get into Europe. 
Yeah. Yeah, but I think the Curries are going to be involved, and the Curries are going to be really important. Ooh, I'm not. S- no, I think it's too I'm, not early. That, I'm not having that. All right, hear me now. Believe me later. In the World Cup. Uh, yeah. Because one of them will be. Don't forget, you've got to take both of them if you're taking one of them, and that's you've only got a 31 man. Yeah, I don't even know which one's better. I have no well, idea. That's Eddie Jones wins. has called Ben. So Eddie Jones has decided Ben's better. No, no, or no, at this moment, Tom, Tom got injured. No, 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 no. Ben got injured. So, ah, so, so Tom, Tom played. played in Argentina because Ben yeah, got injured. That's right. And also, so Ben is higher ranked on the official rankings of Fantasy Rugby Draft. <laughs> is that right? So that means that Ben is better. Wow. <laughs> There's about 20 places between them as well in the official rankings. I think what Sale have got going for them again, uh, linking into this point, which always benefits them, is that they have lots and lots of good players very, very few, if any of which, are international class. Yeah, and they, but they also have very few players. They still have less players than everyone else. They just they spend the same amount of money just on less players. So an injury crisis for them is a real crisis. If they hit something like, like, like that mid-season, expect ninth or tenth finish. They need a lock. Um, yeah, they've got George. If, if they get one, if George not coming through from um, former under twenties, good, good player. player but he's not very big though. No, he's not. He feels like a normal guy when you meet him. Yeah. Uh, so there's George Knott, there's Bryn, uh, Bryn Evans, who, by the way, is a very good player. Very underrated. Um, and, you know, Beaumont, who I've not spoke too highly of. So, yeah, you're probably right there. Uh, so Oh, and, and Ostrakov. Oh, yeah, Phil, who wears very, very short shorts. Uh, very short shorts. Phil saying ninth, tenth. Pick, pick a number. <sighs> I want to say tenth. Sixth. Ninth. Mm. Right, that's Sale Sharks. Uh, if you disagree, we've got anything to say on that at Rugby Podcast. You can tweet us. Um, they Why did... can't all podcasts be like that? What's that? You know, in depth and yeah. well about sharks. Uh, <laughs> all, all about <laughs> Sale Sharks. There was a, there was a there was a little meet up of old adversary Steve Diamond and Richard Cockrell over the weekend was in the final preseason match. Of for course, Sale I was, Sharks. Yeah. yeah. I tried to watch this on the stream, but the stream was bloody awful. Uh, and uh, Sale edged that one 24 points to 20 mm. in preseason. There we go. Oh, anything else on the agenda? Just uh, the previews for next week. Oh, yeah. Our Leo Vegas bet of the week. Bef- oh, before yeah. that, before the Leo Vegas bet of the week, there is some rugby on... It's Tuesday. Tuesday leading up to the final. I will just say this before you get into this. JB, if we can string this out for long enough, Phil will have to stay here for the draft. Exactly. Yeah, he's going to have no, <laughs> have no choice. Is he? I'm on the clock. Get... Four, four minutes. He's got a hard out, as you say, in the industry. Yeah, hard out. I'm just going to run out the door. Uh, so, semi-finals on Tuesday. Five o'clock is New Zealand versus USA. USA, who were comfortably beaten by England in the final group game. So, you'd expect New Zealand to win that. And England versus France. Now, France have been they interesting. They go well, aren't they? France looked very good against Ireland. Yeah. They've, they've performed very well in all of their they've games. They've got a very powerful number eight. They hammered, absolutely hammered Australia. And they looked very good against Ireland, which I caught the, the end of that game on last Thursday, I think it was. Um, they've got some really good, really powerful, dangerous runners. You'd expect England and New Zealand to get through to the final, which is next Saturday. And next Saturday... There is the final, the third place playoff, the fifth place playoff, the seventh place playoff, the ninth place playoff, and the eleventh place playoff for the Women's World Cup. Oh, wow. Serious games, then. <laughs> Serious games. 
Because there's also some qualifying games, there's some ranking games. Oh, is there? Okay. For the other teams. That's how I, I think that's how they should do a World Cup. I no, you don't. No, really I don't that, necessarily do you? think that. Well, I kind of only from the point of view of the tier two nations. It just seems a shame that theirs ends after oh, three. Yeah, yeah, they only get three halfway games halfway through, don't they? and it's the biggest stage. And what a moment! It's, they've been waiting four years for this. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I I would go with that. Like a tier well. two tournament. Yes, but, so, so the top so, eight teams. In the knockout, the top, and then everyone else um, plays off. Uh, you play off a for, posi- for a position. I mean, yeah. there, there would be that would be depressing as hell for England, going out in the pool <laughs> stage and then having be, having to play. It'd be amazing for Romania. Um, it would be, yeah, be yeah. but it's the best thing for the game. But I, I, I would have. That's a top idea. Why has no one done that? Well, they they do it in the World Under Twenty Championships. They do it in the Women's Rugby World Cup. Mm. Uh, I just think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, um, I agree with you. It, it, you get more ticket sales. Yeah, like you know, if you're playing, say, I don't know, Georgia, Romania, Romania in Darlington or somewhere, you know, with with a good stadium. Those, those two teams, it's still their World Cup. They would give it absolutely everything. Yeah. It's it's still a good rugby heart like heartland. Yeah, it's a great idea. But the, the even better for those teams is they would get to play against one of the best teams. A Friday night curtain raiser too. Make a whole weekend. Of exactly. Inter- there's just more games when there's less games in that. Final few weeks. Get me James Abraham on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> World rugby, get with it. Come on. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't see a downside, but so good on the women's rugby World Cup for doing it. Yeah. So the other fixtures this coming week, of course, top four teams back after of their, course it is. after their mandatory <laughs> yeah. three weeks, three week break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's one week, then into intense pre-season which mostly involves eating cheese, drinking red wine, mm. and endless, endless scrimmaging sessions. Yeah, would it not be easier for them just to not do pre-season, <laughs> but lay off the cheese and wine? <laughs> Probably come out of pre-season worse than when they went, when, <laughs> went into it. It's a training camp in a vineyard. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we have our Leo Vegas bet of the week. Wait there, wait there. The Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast with... No, not with money. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded wrong. (laughs) With LeoVegas.com, who love their rugby as much as we do. That's why they've joined up with us to make sure... uh, Well, so we can let you know about the fantastic betting offerings that they have. They sponsor... Uh, they have a partnership with Leicester Tigers and with the Egg Chasers podcast. They know and love their rugby. You can trust in that. They'll have some great offers um, that you can get involved in. So look at look at it as you're looking at this weekend and ahead with the new season. For example, um, well, sorry, I've just looked at my spreadsheet that I've made for my uh, fantasy draft and I've accidentally deleted a player and I don't know who it Uh-oh. was. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Uh, right. Anyway, sorry. Uh, that's distracting. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm getting distracted <laughs> by other stuff because I'm just looking on the Sale Sharks report. Of their game against Edinburgh, Will Cliff took a couple of conversions and slotted them. Interesting. Do you know who else kicks at Sale? Who? Will Addison. Uh, do you know who else kicks at Sale? James O'Connor. Sam James. Do you know? Do you know who else kicks at Sale? Uh, look on the social on the social media channels. Slotted a couple of sixty yarders. It used to be Vadim Kovalash. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Bafta Clerk. Ooh. Uh oh. There's a cat, cat, amongst, a cat amongst the pigeons. Ooh. Right. Anyway, sorry. I apologise <laughs> for that. Uh, so for this weekend. The return of Bledisloe. Yes. Now, last week, we got it so right. We were so on the money. We got the exact points difference that New Zealand were going to win, or certainly me and Tim did. And JB was in certainly in the right ballpark. 
the sentiment was correct, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, so we predicted a 20-point win. It was exactly a 20-point win. So if you were bold enough to put your money where our, our mouths was... Just like we were. You could have won something. Um, did you actually put... Because we have that charity bet thing. I, I, yeah, charities have been suffering of late. But um, <laughs> I will do it this week. So, this week's fixture, I can't see past. So, New Zealand are going to win comfortably. Yeah, so... But, I think the I think the real value in this is going to be uh, how many points there are in total in the game. How brutal are New Zealand would be my thought, and my my thinking is they're going to be bloody brutal. I don't think they. <laughs> I I don't buy any of the culture nonsense for a second. I think it's uh, you know dross made up by idiots. However, I do buy this, which is there are a close bunch of boys, and as a group, you know th- there is. A, a lot of care for for each other, and as such, I don't think they take this Jerome Kano thing lying down. I don't think they take the uh, Adam, I was say Adam Smith, Adam what's his name? Aaron Smith, Aaron, um, Aaron Smith thing lying down at all. They go out there and they absolutely batter them. Why is Tim celebrating? I've got the first pick in the draft. Oh, Damn it. what? <laughs> yes. Who? Uh, who second? Where? Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, doesn't matter. What's your team, Jay? What's your team name? The Commish. Uh, the commission, you are 10th. That's Ooh, not too that's bad. That's not that bad. And what's your name, Phil? I can't remember. Pilu Pilu? No. LGBT? Yeah, I think it is LGBT. You got, I'm, I'd be happy with yours. You got the third pick in the game. Oh, it's a disaster. Third, third's okay. Third's, I can work with third. Little Jimmy! Come <laughs> home! We're not doing a live Yes! <laughs> yes! You can go home, Tim. <laughs> right. Sorry. I am... I'm going to run out this door in two minutes' time uh, to go and prepare. So my prediction is New Zealand by 25, but there will be more than... I'm going to say more than 70 points scored in total. New Zealand by 30. New Zealand by 25. New Zealand by 30. Tim? Uh, New Zealand by 35. 35. And Jimmy Gopeth, welcome to Quadzilla. <laughs> Damn it. God damn. With the first pick of the draft. It's so unjust. Quadzilla selects little Jimmy Gopper. <laughs> right, huh? well, that makes things interesting. And on that note... Right, goodbye. I, I am out. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> See, See you later, later Phil. Bye. It's a hard exit. See you later, Phil. Uh, right, so listen on Acast, on iTunes. Uh, give us your reviews. Subscribe. We've only got two weeks left till domestic rugby is back. That means two weeks till fancy rugby draft, which you highly recommend getting nine of your mates and getting involved in. And it's fancy rugby draft, which means Phil is literally running out of the door see ya get out of my house Tim we're done alright let, bo- let the boys play even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.